Have you seen the 2021 My OT Journey Planner? This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. This planner is a must for OT students and practitioners. Check it out at myotjourney.com. Welcome to Students in Charge. The students of Corbin Health and Rehab Group, or Charge Therapy, are here to bring you the latest research in the field of occupational therapy. Combining evidence-based practice with a fresh student perspective, they aim to promote best practice and competency within the field. Hope you're fully charged because it's time for the students in charge. Hello, and welcome back to Students in Charge. As you may know, Charge Therapy is a telehealth occupational therapy company that specializes in hand, upper extremity, ergonomics, and home modifications. In this podcast, we aim to bring you the insights into the field of occupational therapy. My name is Lauren, and I am here with my friend and charge partner, Megan. Today, we are going to be talking about the role of occupational therapy within the military with a special focus on our role within this field, ergonomics, and psychosocial impacts. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Today, we have a special guest speaker. Her name is Karina Lehman, who is an occupational therapist who serves in the United States Air Force. She graciously volunteered her time with us today to share her experiences and value of occupational therapy within her field. Hi, Karina. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being on here. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Karina Lehman. I'm um, a captain in the United States Air Force. Um, I'm originally from Nebraska. I got my master's degree in occupational therapy from College of St. Mary, graduated in 2014. Um, I originally started out my career in the acute care setting. So I was an acute care therapist for a couple of years. And then I kind of um, was looking for more of a full-time job opportunity. So my dad actually was the one who called up a medical recruiter for the Air Force and was like, hey, they're, uh, they're looking for OTs and you have like a month to get all your stuff in if you want to be one. So that's kind of how my military career got started. Wow. <laughs> wow. So interesting. Wow. <clears throat> and then following up with that. Um, is working in the Air Force something that you knew you wanted to do or had prior interest in? Or did an opportunity, like you just said, come your way where you were like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And this is what I'm interested in. Yeah, so I definitely enjoyed working with a veteran population. Um, We had a VA right across the street from our hospital. So I have seen tons of veterans come into our hospital and get care. I really enjoyed working with them, hearing their stories. My dad's also a veteran from the Air Force. So he talks about his own experiences. Um, It was never really something that I thought I would be um, doing, like active duty wise. I never really thought I would be in the military whatsoever, but I did know I wanted to work with that population. Um, Maybe just not in that aspect. So the opportunity just kind of fell on my lap and I took it. And how many years did you work um, in acute care? It was two years. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, So before we really start to get into things, Megan and I would like to talk a little bit about what we know as students about the role of OT within the military. So through our research, we found that occupational therapists within the military um, 
They provide direct patient care, readiness training, wellness education, and injury prevention to the service members. And that they plan and administer therapy to help their patients adjust to their disabilities, regain independence, and then help within that preparation for return to work. Yes. And additionally, we found that occupational therapists play a crucial role in evaluating the occupational performance of ser serving military personnel who are adversely affected by combat stress reactions. And we know that our field has a unique role and skill set in mental health. And within this specialty population, it is used to support, stabilize, and restore um, these valued military personnel. So based off these findings that Lauren and I found, would you agree with these findings or do you have anything else you think that would be important to add? So no, I definitely agree with those findings. Um, we usually do a lot more combat stress when we're uh, deployed, doing a lot of combat stress, uh, mental health in a deployment situation. Um, we're trying to do it more so kind of in like embedded units um, or just kind of in general with certain populations that we feel like would benefit from it. So I know currently I'm trying to get more mental health, combat stress in the canine handler unit. So canine handlers actually have a pretty high stress job, um, daily job that they do. And it's not maybe like they're not deployed yet, but sometimes you just can't calm down their brain when they go home and they have problems like at home um, because you just can't calm down. So just certain populations that you don't really think about that maybe weren't deployed, but still could benefit from the mental health aspect. Um, and then in terms of like, you know, assessments that are conducted and looking at like different injuries or, you know, population types, anything to add on, on, on that? Yeah, so we see um, all DOD beneficiaries, meaning that we see active duty, we see guard, um, we see their family members as well as retirees and their family members. Um, that's who we mostly see. Or we also see um, what like military personnel like that um, work for the military. So they can be just working for the military but are not military affiliated in a sense. Um, we see them as well. Awesome. Wow, that's so interesting. I, I really didn't think off the top of my head that you would work with like families and, and things such like that, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. It's, it's a whole, a whole unit. Um, yeah. So I think that that's it really is. amazing. Yes. Yeah, it is. So they're, they're kind of saying their little whole thing is, you know, you can't really expect your, your airmen or your soldiers to fully give it all at their job if their families are not being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that includes medical. Definitely, definitely. For sure. And are you like the only occupational therapist that's sort of like stationed at this specific site or do you work with a team of occupational therapists? Yeah, so currently I'm the only occupational therapist at Lackland, which is in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I'm going to be getting another OT coming in soon, um, but she is affiliated with another military member. So that's why she's coming down um, to be stationed here with me. But um, usually you can be with like one other OT. Um, a lot of them are gonna be smaller bases, kind of like Lackland um, where I'm at. And it's gonna be like more of like a one man shop. So, so 
all you. <laughs> wow. So interesting. Yeah. So kind of bouncing off all of this, um, do you think that the topic of the role of occupational therapy should be more commonly talked about within our field and also within our school's programs? For the military? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, I, I do. I think um, it's not talked about enough and people don't really understand the role of OT in the military. They're just like, oh, they kind of do what civilians do. And that's it. You just do it for like the active duty military members. And it's a little bit different than that. We actually have more autonomy um, with ordering like x-rays. So in the military, I can order x-rays. I can order MRIs. I can even refer my patients to specialties that I think would help them. So, you know, if they're not getting better in therapy and I feel like they can benefit from an orthopedic consult, I'll refer them to our orthopedics. Um, and then they can go from there or I can give them an MRI if I feel like they may need it. So it's more autonomous in that sense, which is super nice um, versus having to wait for a doctor to, you know, do all this for the patients. Yeah. We also don't have to have referrals for our active duty patients to get therapy. It can be like a self-referral type thing. So they feel like they need it themselves. They can actually just self-refer and you can see them that way as well. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a little bit different than the civilian side which is something I feel like we need to talk about more, what it consists of, why it's important, um, stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I completely agree. And I know um, as students, Megan and I recently just finished our didactic portion of schooling. Uh, so our like in-class learning portion um, came to an end recently. And I know that we really didn't touch too, too much about the role of OT within the military. I know that there are definitely some articles on AOTA that we found through our research before we met with you, but also throughout schooling, I know that there definitely has been times that it has come up, but I mean, the things that you've already talked about, like working with families and the difference between the civilian side, we, I know I didn't, didn't know that. Um, and I think that it's so interesting and definitely should be talked about more because you have this picture of the role of OT within the military, but since talking to you, it's so different than what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super great to learn about though. Mm -hmm. Um, and to gain a better understanding for ourselves as well as for our listeners, would you mind explaining what the environment is like within this setting and what specialized populations you may work with? I feel like you already sort of touched on specialized populations, but if you wanna add more about that, that's great too. Yeah, so for me, I work in an outpatient hands clinic um, at Lackland. Um, so if you work in an MTF, which is a military treatment facility, which is like a little hospital, essentially, um, sometimes there can be like an inpatient unit attached to that. So you would be seeing your outpatient caseload, like 12 plus patients a day, and then plus like your inpatient caseload. So you've seen both of those. Um, you can also do a lot of like outreach programs. So I do a lot of like injury prevention for our dental um, personnel for the K-9 units like I was talking about, which is so interesting just because um, when you're looking at the K-9 handlers and their dogs, so they are teaching the dog how to jump and bite 
and to use as theirs and all this stuff, you have to also keep in mind with ergonomic wise, are we injuring the dog by like fixing your posture and making sure you're not getting injured? Because if we are, we can't do that. So things you don't think about with the canine handlers. Um, I also am working on fighter pilots like during ergonomics with them in their little cockpit. Um, all the G-forces, they have a lot of like back issues. They have a lot of wrist and elbow issues. Things you don't really think about and try to kind of tweak their little ergonomics that we're able to mm -hmm. go over stretches that they can do as well. Um, there are some pregnancy classes that we're trying to get started as well. I'm talking about the Decker veins after you have children with the picking up of your child, um, carpal tunnel related symptoms because you know you're pregnant and all the swelling happens. So just different populations you can do like a lot of outreach to. Um, like I talked about with like the mental health groups, trying to do like a lot more mental health groups with certain populations. It could be like EOD, you know, they deal with a lot of explosives, also another high stress job that you don't think about as well as a canine handlers, um, some of those places that you kind of want to incorporate those too. And I mostly get a lot of this stuff on the job in my hands clinic of who I'm seeing the most. I'm like, who am I seeing the most? Who would benefit from, you know, this type of injury prevention? Um, and then you kind of go from there and get a feel for who needs you the most. You know, you can go from, like I said, the canine units, to like the dental personnel to cyber, which is all typing, type, type, type away and do a lot of like their ergonomics on their desk. So that's kind of um, what you can kind of see in the military. It's kind of like a high pace population. You know, you, you always need to be busy. You always need to be doing something. If you're not doing something, you know, you should be. <laughs> So that's, that's that. Wow. That sounds very high paced. It sounds like you are kind of in every setting at once <laughs> with what you are doing. Yes. Serving <laughs> a lot of, yeah, it's true. And I think serving a lot of roles within our profession, you know, you're addressing a lot of different areas of care. Um, super interesting. It does sound like you have a special focus in hand therapy. Um, but even with that, you know, you're still focusing on other areas too, mental health. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I know like hand therapy is by niche. Um, I did a fellowship at the Philadelphia Hand and Shoulder Center with, uh, with Shanna. She was my mentor there. And I recently just got my CHT back in December. So it is a niche of mine. Um, I did start like the first uh, WASOX OT hand clinic with our hand surgeons. It's currently on hold because of all the COVID deployments going on. Um, so they don't have a lot of the surgeons there with them. So hopefully we get that started up again. Um, I do like the continuity of care that provides and just the smoother handoff with your surgeon, um, with your patients. This is like what I want, smooth handoff, and there's no like miscommunication. So for sure, great. that is really, really great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and yeah. then another question that we have in regards to the environment is kind of that treatment setting and setup. Um, but we wanted to know if you work alongside of any other healthcare professionals throughout your day, such as doctors, nurses, PTs, anybody like that that you kind of work beside, maybe um, do co-treatments or is it usually just like individualized? So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's mostly individualized treatments. I don't do a whole lot of um, co-treating uh, per se. Um, but for the outreach, I do kind of, you know, 
partner up with my physical therapist and we go together and do all these things together. Now, if I were in a hospital setting, I'd be like hitting up my PT, be like, hey, let's, uh, let's see these patients together. But mostly in an outpatient setting, it's going to be pretty individualized. Um, I do reach out to the hand surgeons or a provider if I have questions of what they were really wanting or looking for, or maybe like a splint. Um, then I reach out to them and kind of get more clarification. Or if I feel like, you know, something isn't really helping or I think it's maybe something else, or reach out to the provider that did the referral to OT and kind of give them my perspective. That way it's not just not communicated. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's gonna be mostly individualized in the outpatient setting. Moving into ergonomics, I know we touched on this a little bit, but when we typically think of ergonomics, I know I personally think of things such as proper posture, biomechanics and body movement, the physical environment, or workspace setup within the workplace, or even when engaging in certain physical activities. But how have you looked at ergonomics from your standpoint as an OT within the military? Um, And do you have any examples of this? Um, So ergonomics is, it's different to each profession. Um, We kind of do like an activity analysis by just going on the job one day like following them around, looking at what they do on a daily basis. So, you know, for the canine handlers, it's like, okay, so what do you do on a daily basis? Like, I kind of have a vision of what you do, but show me what you do. And it consisted of like having the dogs like get used to stairs because in deployment situations, they're going to have to climb stairs. Um, But then there's certain points where the dog may be afraid of the stairs and they're jumping off like at the very top of the stairs. So then... Now your handler is going to have to catch them because this is a very you know expensive piece of equipment essentially that they don't want to get hurt. So then they're going to hurt themselves so they don't hurt uh, the dog. So things that you don't really think about. So activity analysis like that and just trying to modify it as much as you can. There's some things that you just can't modify. You can't modify how much a dog is going to pull on a leash, uh, all that portion that they have to do. Um, can't really modify it. A dog bites them and, you know, tears open the skin. Um, you can just give them suggestions, but at the end of the day, if they're going to incorporate that or not is totally up to them. And if they can um, modify that for their own job or not. So for the canine handlers, it's more like, Hey, yes, I could probably try to have my body in this certain position, but if it's going to hurt my dog, I'm not doing that. So is different for each person. Um, same as pilots, you know, like each plane is different, little cockpit, little setup, trying to tweak it um, as much as you can. And it's the same thing, you know, are they going to really go, you know, make these adjustments? Are they really buying into what you're saying? That's the big thing. Are they buying in? Because a lot of them aren't. They're like, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know about this life. So you have to really right. let them buy it. Right. It sounds like a lot of like client education, but also trying to tailor it to like what's meaningful to them and how Mm -hmm. you can best help them with their different job duties Um, and looking at it from an ergonomic standpoint. I think that's really important. Um, I know Lauren and I were learning about it more from Shanna, but that, you know, taking into consideration that you want to prevent injury, you want to prevent the injury. So you want to try to catch it before um, it becomes something that could, could potentially become worse. So that's really interesting. Um, Yeah, I think that 
another thing that I didn't think of that you had brought up was, at least you brought it up earlier, was involving kind of the the dogs and the ergonomics. Like if I adjust myself, am I going to be hurting the dog at that point? And kind of like the ergonomics just of like the whole system. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that is so, so interesting. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing. But aside from ergonomics, we are curious as to what the psychosocial context are like within this setting. We can imagine the psychosocial aspects are a huge component within this population. And we are curious as to how you incorporate this into your treatments, not only for your patients, but for yourself as well. Um, I know that you had mentioned that the aspect of mental health is a really big component for those that you treat but we are curious about how you take care of your own mental health as well within this setting. So for psychosocial for our patients, you know, they're coming to therapy due to an injury that they usually kind of, you know, are obtaining at work. Um, And then you're kind of like figuring out, okay, so this happened and what are your goals? Like, what do you want to get out of therapy? And that's what we're going to focus on. So, you know, you can kind of look at this person and be like, okay, this is like what you need to do. This should be your goal back to work. Unfortunately, that is going to have to be a goal of theirs, but um, they may have other goals in mind. Like, Hey, I really want to play my guitar. Like it's a soothing to me. It's something that is good for my mental health. Uh, I know it's not anything work related, but that's what I want to get back to. So, you know, try to incorporate that um, with them. So that means like work on some range of motion, some fine motor coordination, maybe even having them bring in their guitar and working on that in the clinic as a treatment is something that you know we can do. So that's a, that's a big one for psychosocial aspect for them, just making sure the goals and everything is kind of what they're wanting to get out of therapy. And not just something that's really basic that you feel like this is what you should be getting out of it. Um, and for psychosocial for me, so it can be taxing the super high paced environment. Um, honestly, just taking days off, taking weeks off, doing some traveling, you know, when it's not COVID times is <laughs> like big for me working out, like going on a run like a couple of times a week is like a good uh, stress reliever for me as well. And just kind of hanging out with my friends that are in the military and just kind of you know, talking about the stressors of the military life and kind of realizing, hey, I'm not alone. Like someone else is going through this too and and it's relatable. Mm -hmm. So that's my like psychosocial aspect. That's that's amazing. I think that kind of what you were saying, like bring the guitar in, like that's, it's so client-centered and you really want to apply that as an OT through any setting, like focusing on what your client wants to get out of therapy and not what, if you think that, if you think that one thing like teaching them how to put their shoes on is, is so important and what they should be doing, but they're like, my wife's been doing it for 25 years. You know, you have to really understand, understand that. And I think that's exactly what you were saying. So I think that that's, that's wonderful. And that any setting can really learn from what you just said. You don't have to be in the military. Um, I think that's really important to take yourself and remember mm-hmm. you need to, you need to think about yourself as well. Right. Right. And listen to your body mm-hmm. that you can, like Lauren said, give your best towards, you know, your patient care um, and really help them achieve their goals. 
Um, one of the last questions we have for you, Karina, is what is a piece of advice you would give to students or new therapists who were interested in working as an occupational therapist within the military? Some advice. Um, let me see. Well, the military is, it's not for everybody. It's, uh, it can be stressful, not just because of the environment being so high paced and you're trying to get involved with like anything and everything. So everyone knows what OT does and why we're important and why we need to stay in the military. Um, but also as an officer, you move like every three years. So you're constantly moving. And it's a big life adjustment with each move. So it's a different environment. You're away from family. Um, I was in Alaska for my first station. So I was first stationed in Alaska. My family's from Nebraska. I think my mom and dad only came to visit me like one time because it was so far away. Wow. So those are life stressors you kind of have to think about. I mean, you're going to be far away from family, possibly. You could be overseas. Um, if you're married or have children, they had to constantly adapt to each new environment like you do, but your spouse, they're not guaranteed a job like you are. So then they're constantly changing jobs, trying to find a new job, or if they're in school, you know, they have to constantly stop and start again, stop and start again. So they're kind of putting their life on hold for you and your job. Um, it, it kind of stresses a out the whole family and it affects the whole family. So just make sure you do keep that in mind. It's uh, it's hard, but it is so rewarding though at the end too. Mm. You know, you get to work with all services, not just the Air Force, if you're in the Air Force. I've worked with Navy patients. I've worked with Army. In fact, I'm working with Army here. We have a couple of OTs that are in the Army. They're not at the same base I am, but they're in the same market. So. I know I'm going to probably start working with them in the near future with our hand patients. Um, so it's rewarding in that sense, you know, kind of watching patients kind of go through the rehab process, gain their independence, their confidence back, their functionality, and they're able to go and move on and they don't come back. They don't need you anymore, which I think is great. And so it is rewarding in the aspect, but it is also very stressful um, in the family aspect as well. So just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, it's not always gonna be hands, you know, you could have a lot more uh, mental health. So they're trying to go more into like an embedded position where you're just with a unit, like a special warfare unit where you're working on activity analysis with rucking to make sure they're not getting hurt with rucks or with any of their workouts. And since it is such a high stress, uh, training environment, you'll be working with more like mindfulness and mental health and relaxation techniques, as well as like sleeping techniques. So they're able to still train. So it's, it's gonna be different. Like everywhere you go, it's not gonna be all hands. It's not gonna be all inpatient. Um, so just make sure that you're adaptable. Yeah. So I guess that's my advice. Yeah, a lot of different factors it sounds like. Um, but I love that you touched on how rewarding it can be, you know, as a profession. And so, you know, it's sort of like uh, that makes it all more worth it when you know that you are just in the end, just like relocating to help a new group of patients and a new population. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. At the end, you're, you're serving your country. You're giving back to those that have served for your country as well. Um, 
and it's it's rewarding the fact that you can like serve your country in this way so i'm grateful for the opportunity that i'm getting here amazing amazing thank you so much for answering all of our questions and giving us such great insight towards the field and towards how an occupational therapist role is within the military it's been amazing yes it has been it's been so so amazing so thank you again karina so in closing thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today we hope our listeners appreciated learning about our ot's journeys and getting to hear more of the role of occupational therapy within the military if you want to learn more about charge therapy we can be found at our website chargetherapy.com charge is spelled c h rg the word therapy.com or you can also find us on our social media at charge therapy and students in charge for more tips and tricks charge therapy provides ergonomic adjustments and home modifications through both telehealth and in person thank you all for listening thank you again karina have a great day everybody and we'll see you all next time <laughs>